0: welcome back to the collecting scars podcast i'm your host sydney Olson. so i wanted to jump on here and talk about the difference between intuition and fear and how to best use it in really tough situations i'm going to be telling a personal story because i just had something really intense happen to me and i had to figure out something really quick and make a massive decision where the paths were two very separate things and a lot of times it's very hard to do this. <laughs> it's hard to do this anyway. I, I identify as a very decisive person usually. If I want something to eat, I know exactly what it is. Whatever I'm going to wear, I know exactly what it is. I don't have any trouble coming up with the small stuff. I can make decisions on what to do with the day so easily. I don't have to sit there and go back and forth usually. It's, it's normally just whatever comes up first is the one that I end up doing, right? And that's usually how your gut works. (laughs) So a lot of times you're like, oh, this is what came up first. This is what's important. However, our ego is loud. Our ego is the negative voice in our head telling us why we can't do things and why this isn't going to work out and why we're going to be homeless and end up on the street and why we're going to die. So that comes up a lot, and it's, like I said, it's very loud, it's very frantic, and the intuition, as I have found, has tended to be much quieter, and in order to hear it, you have to let go of the ego. You have to kind of push that aside and stop being so logical and just hear the answer, and maybe it's not here, maybe it's literally seeing something in your head, or maybe it's just a knowing, maybe it's just something that you feel in your center, I had, I had been told a great tip um for figuring out uh if if something feels good for you or feels bad for you and it's kind of like for me it's in my solar plexus but I kind of pay attention to how this feels in my body and I had heard this tip and I thought it was so amazing so I'm going to share it with you what you're going to do is you're going to sit there and you're going to imagine something that makes you really really happy like maybe it's your it's your dog or it's your cat or it's just something like your lover or whoever it is, and you're just imagining hugging them and how it feels. And for me, that feels very, very expansive. I don't know how to explain it. It just literally feels like energy is pushing outwards. And then what you do next is you imagine that cat is dead or that dog is dead. I know it's so, so sad and so morbid, but you can feel this kind of constriction in your solar plexus and that's kind of how you know it's not great it's not a good feeling so it's really fun to actually use that technique to kind of make small decisions whether that be things that you want to eat or things that you want to wear or a place that you want to go that day or something you want to do and it's just fun to kind of see how that feels and then reflect on it later being like oh yeah that was an interesting decision I made and this is why and blah 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 But the interesting thing with decisions is that once you make that decision, you know it's the right thing to do. It always is because things could literally not be any other way because that's how you're living. And when you really believe that, there is like an umbrella of how bad life could possibly be, right? If you understood completely that wherever you are right now is perfect and there's a complete reason for being exactly where you're at And for me personally, life has just been too much of a coincidence to believe any other thing. So for me, that really works. So I want to get into this story on something that was really, really hard for me, but ended up being a really great thing and a great lesson. So a couple weeks ago, I think it was the day after Thanksgiving, I got my cat a really cute toy from Target. It was $2.00 and it was a little squirrel and it had a tail and it was like so adorable and I bring it home and my cat's immediately so happy about it he's running around with it he's like playing with it and we're just like oh that's so sweet well he starts ripping it apart (laughs) and pulls off the tail and I'm just like wow that was really quick my cat I don't know if you can hear him by the way he is laying next to me and he is purring (laughs) so if you do hear that I apologize but also not because who doesn't want to hear a cat purr so But then I had the immediate thought, and so did Richard. We both had this thought, like, we should throw that tail away, because he ripped off the tail of the squirrel. And I went and did something else first, and then I came back, and it was gone. And I looked around, and I couldn't find it anywhere, and I immediately jumped to the assumption that he probably ate it. And both Richard and I agreed on this, but it was pretty small. And we looked it up online, and it was smaller than a hairball, really, so I assumed it would be totally fine. And I didn't feel right about that. I did want to take him to the doctor immediately, but I thought it might be a little silly, like kind of a waste of money, especially because he's more than likely going to be fine. So what we did instead is we monitored monitored him for the next couple days, and he was still eating, drinking water, going to the bathroom, wasn't throwing up, was totally fine being a super fun, cuddly self. So we were about to go to Hawaii, and we went, <laughs> and thinking things were totally fine. And while we were in Hawaii, we had someone babysitting him who also told me he was doing great. Super normal Jackson. So after Hawaii, we come back, and we took a red-eye flight. So we got in around 7.30 in the morning, which is when I fed Jackson his meal, and we both decided to go lay down for a nap. <clears throat> Two hours later, I woke up because I had to get ready for an event, and I come out to the kitchen, and I hear my cat make a very strange noise, like, wow and I've never heard him make that noise before. So I run out, and I see him in the living room, retching, like he's about ready to throw up. So I grab him, and I turn him towards the hardwood floor, and he starts projectile vomiting. And I don't mean just vomiting. I mean, it's everywhere. he It's probably a good six feet that he makes it out and he's a tiny cat and he kept doing it over and over over and over again and we're freaking out because we're like oh my gosh how are we going to clean this first of all but second of all like I cannot believe that just came out of my cat I've never seen that before so immediately I make an appointment with his vet and they don't have anything open that day but they said I could come in tomorrow first thing in the morning so uh, we watched him for the rest of the day he threw up a little bit more but he was still eating and he was still kind of being his normal self besides that so the next day, we go into the vet, and they do an x-ray, and they do blood work and all of the stuff. <laughs> and, you know, vets, vet bills are expensive. <laughs> Let's just start out by saying that. So I immediately am like, okay, cool. What's, what's wrong with him? And they said we need to take him to the emergency room because he needs an ultrasound, and they don't have that equipment there. And there's got to be something Deeper going on with him. And I explained the story about how he ate the squirrel tail. And they're aware of this, but at the same time, it had been like two weeks since that had happened. So they didn't really believe that it was connected to that. And they thought, yeah, it could be possible, but honestly, this sounds like something else. So we take him to the emergency and they do the ultrasound and they have to do all these other tests on him and they have to keep him there for several hours. And that day i had already dropped $3000 on him and you know it's okay it's worth it to have like you know my cat be okay and know what's going on but when we got there later that night the doctor explained that she really <laughs> hadn't come to an a occlus- in- uh, she hadn't come to a conclusive result of what it could be so she told me it could either be IDB, which is like this disease that cats can get in their bells or it could be cancer. And with IDB, cats usually end up being totally fine after a while, but cancer, you know, they're, they're going to struggle and they're going to suffer for the next couple months and not make it. So this was like huge news. And to me, I'm already kind of having an issue with this. Like, okay, it's, it's great that it's not the toy, but how am I going to solve this problem? And since Jackson had a bunch of stomach fluid buildup, they wanted to drain this, and it was going to be another $3,000 to do this. <laughs> and at the time, I'm just thinking, like, oh, no, like, this this doesn't have to be this. I think that it'll pass whatever it is. You know, the fluid will come out, and I'm not thinking very smart. But something didn't feel right about them draining the fluid. So I said I wanted to take Jackson home and just give him medicine that way and see what would go on from there. After all, I wasn't ready to pay 6000 total for Jackson's bill. So I take him home and over the next two days he's not getting any better he's getting so much worse and he's not eating anymore he's not drinking any water and he's not even going to the bathroom and he's just laying down around the house in hiding places like we can't even reach him he doesn't want us to touch him nothing and I'm starting to feel really bad about this and so I call his doctor and I said okay how much would it be to drain it like we'll make it work you know all this but then they said "Actually." the radiologist came in and reobserved his x-ray and they found something. They think that he actually does have an obstruction. So the obstruction being the squirrel toy that he had eaten two weeks prior is suddenly on the table again. And this makes it really, really hard to trust these doctors, even though, of course, they're doing the best they can. And medicine is tricky and all of that. I totally understand that. But one one thing is going to cost $3,000 and the other one is going to cost a lot more because they'd have to do surgery to get it out. So we go back into the emergency room and we're talking to this doctor and they're explaining that Jackson looks way worse than he did two days ago. His stomach is super swollen. There's so much fluid in it. He's at risk of it rupturing. And the only possible way out of this is surgery only they're not sure whether or not they're going to find anything because they couldn't find it on the ultrasound his x-rays look strange but they were thinking it could be that but they're not going to know for sure and when I say the amount of money I had to drop on this without getting too specific into details because it is a lot it's more than I paid for my second car And that second car, I paid in payment plans for a very long time. And at the vet, they don't let you do payment plans. They make you pay up front, which is so crazy to me. And I think that's really flawed. And there's just so many things I could go into about this. But it's it's really horrible. And now I'm encouraging all my friends to get pet insurance because that would have saved a lot of money. But anyway, so I have this choice now that I'm brought to the attention with. It's either you pay this money and your cat gets surgery and he might be okay, but we're really not sure and we cannot promise you anything, or we have to put him down. And like I said, the amount of money it costs isn't anything to, <laughs> like, I don't even know how to explain this. <laughs> the amount of money it costs was astronomical. Like, let's just say that. I've, I don't think I've ever paid for anything upfront that costs this much money. So the idea of it was very scary. I get the bill and the first thing I think is there's no way I'm doing this. Well, that was my ego talking. It was immediately going to the place that, oh my gosh, if I pay for this, eventually I'll run out of money and I'll be homeless and I will die. That's like a lot of the fear that comes in from our ego. But I decided to get quiet for a second. And Richard and I are talking about this and we're having a really hard time. But I said, I need a minute of silence. And so I sat there for a minute, I focused on my breath, and I thought about it not logically, but how do I feel? And so I measured out both of those decisions with how I felt about the the cat, which ironically enough, it was a cat. So it was about like the cat being cuddled, you know, like, and, and how expansive that feels versus the cat dying and how, you know, triggering that feels. So I was sitting there and just breathing in and realize I do want to do the surgery, and there's something that feels really good about it. So even though I would have to pay this, it would be okay. I, I would figure it out. I would get the money back. It's going to be totally fine. So then <laughs> I go and I tell them, we're going to do this, and I bring out my credit card, and we had to put it in two different transactions so my bank wouldn't freak out <laughs> and decline my card. And as I scanned it, I couldn't help but giggle. I was so grateful. I also learned about what it truly means to be abundant. The fact that I could actually afford this and still be totally okay afterwards meant so much to me. If I'm being completely honest, the strike and everything that's happened over the last year has gotten me into a place where I wasn't feeling as abundant financially and I was scared. But ultimately I realized like, I'm gonna be fine, and the fact that I can pay for this and have my cat probably be okay is amazing. So, of course, we're still really nervous because, like I said, it was only a chance that this was going to work out. and they couldn't give me a clear uh, probability that it was going to happen or anything. But, like I said, I just had a really good feeling. So, Richard and I end up going uh, to go see Nate as a going away party before he goes and works in Hawaii for a couple weeks and then goes up to Seattle and we wanted to get our mind off of it. So we went and while we were there, the surgeon calls me and he says, I just want to let you know, there is no way this isn't going to be an obstruction. It looks crazy. This has to be an obstruction. I have seen this before. I've done this surgery on so many animals, but it needs to happen now. I don't think Jackson's going to make it to the morning. So I said, have at it, go do it right now. And he said he would call me when he was done. And of course, the entire time, I'm thinking about this over and over. I'm thinking, did I make the right choice? But I had to sit there and be confident with the fact that the choice has been made, so arguing with it is not helpful. So I said, I made the right choice, and whatever happens, happens. Even if Jackson doesn't make it, there's a lesson to be learned here, and I'm open to it. So then, a couple hours later, the surgeon calls me at 11 p.m., and he says... I got it. Jackson's going to be okay. They pulled out the damn squirrel toy. I could not believe it. <laughs> and the amount of celebratoriness that was happening in my head was crazy. But at the same time, I know that a cat recovering from surgery is also no joke. So there's a lot more steps to take and I want to make sure that he's totally okay. But in that moment, I had realized how much I had just learned, and I completely shifted to a different version of myself in that moment. I felt so different having made that choice, because it was really like we were going to either put him down or we, we were going to do that, and it worked out. So anyway, that's the story that I wanted to share, and I really do believe that this applies to all areas in life. Our ego can be so loud, and it can tell us that we are making the wrong choice, or that something really scary is going to happen, and it might, but no matter what, we're going to eventually be okay. We really are, and we do have to believe that. So I know that a couple of my friends that have kids kind of made fun of me for this. They're like, oh, my gosh, it's just a cat, blah, blah, blah. But to me, Jackson is so important in my life. He is my best friend, (laughs) and I would do anything to keep him alive. And I just want to let you guys know that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Learn to use your intuition, quiet down your ego at times. If you have to, I don't think the ego ever really goes away, but we definitely can have a better, a better way to manage it. So figure out what works for you and apply it. Okay. I hope that was helpful. This is a very intense story, but I am so grateful that I've gone through it and that I'm learning from it, and that I have my cat sitting right next to me right now, and he's currently purring. He's got a cone on his head, and he's going to be totally okay. So thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. Have a great day, and make sure to make sure to leave a review or a rating. I very much appreciate it, and it helps me put this podcast on the map, and I will be having more episodes for you guys. I, I know that I have not been the most consistent with this but I am really trying to get better and it is a total goal for mine in 2024 to be very consistent with the podcast. So let's talk soon and thank you guys so much for listening. Bye!